0: It's good to be with you bright and early this morning. I hope all of you dads out there have had a good start to your day. Uh, raise your hand if you 're a dad raise, let me let me see him okay very good today 's sermon isn 't specifically a father 's Day sermon, but I think it speaks to fathers and, and hopefully it will speak to all of us. But I was listening to the radio this week and I heard um, a couple of the folks on the radio talking about mother 's day and father 's day and church and how we kind of treat those a little bit differently sometimes. Um, Mother's Day, of course, we we do a lot to say thank you to moms. We acknowledge how much they sacrifice. We acknowledge how much they care for us and love us. We may give them flowers or, or do a lot of things. Mom, thank you. And then usually go home and they sometimes may cook lunch or something like that, but that's a different story. But Father's Day that they were talking about, it's a little bit different. Father's Thanks for being here. Now let's talk about how you need to be a better father, how you need to be a better husband, a better dad. So that, dad's father's buckle in this morning. We'll, we'll see where we get with that. But no, I'm just joking. The, uh, this morning, we're going to talk about the idea of legacy and what it means to leave a legacy. And as this unfolds this morning, I, I invite you to let a question just kind of roll around in your mind and in your heart. And that's the simple question of what will people remember as our time passes, as as we hope to pass on things to our children or grandchildren or others we care about? What will they remember about how we live and what we want them to to take from our lives? Our scripture passage this this morning is a story of a father and a son. It's from Genesis chapter 22. And as we read that this morning, um, I want you to think about the legacy that, that is passed on from a father to a son here, about how important trusting God is, how important God is in the midst of this family's life. This is Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 1, and I invite you to stand with me if you're able this morning. story of Abraham and his son Isaac. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac, When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then when we come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together... Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Please pray with me. Lord God, we thank you for being with us here this morning. As we open your word... Please help us to open our hearts and our minds to what you want to say to us today. God, in the midst of this complicated, tough story, help us to hear your voice and listen and obey. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Thank you. Legacies are all around us in all different shapes and sizes. This past January, I began working for the Baptist Home Ministry. The Baptist Home is a 102-year-old organization started in Ironton, Missouri, by a pastor and his wife, Dr. Milford and Mary Riggs. As they responded to a need, they felt that there are more and more aging senior adults that have nowhere to go for compassionate care in their final years. So they opened this ministry called the Baptist Home, I think the first month there were maybe three residents there, and as history has unfolded and God has provided and directed the ministry, now there are three campuses within the state, uh, plans for a fourth campus right up the road in Ashland, a reach around the world to minister to senior adults that are in need of care. And it's just amazing, every time I turn around, I see a different example of, of a legacy, or, or what someone has done, like, like the Riggs is, have done, and how God has used that to share needed love with people that are in need. A couple of weeks ago, I, one of our own folks here at First Baptist, I've, I've noticed his legacy with the Baptist home. That's Jim Nelson sitting right over here. Um, I've learned to be careful when I show up with the meeting in Ashland with Jim because he always brings books. He always loads his car up with books. If you know Jim, you know he loves books. And what he's doing is he is slowly moving his personal library to the Baptist home to to start a a library for the central campus up there. And um, I've been helping Jim move a lot of books, which is... Great. It's amazing to see the, the bookshelves fill up and, and this legacy that he is leaving for others. But I was talking to Jim, I found out this just isn't his legacy. His wife Sharon has a role in this as well, kind of as a, from an encourager perspective. Um, I heard that is, is Jim and Sharon, the, the way the story was told to me was Sharon kind of looked at Jim and said, Jim, get these books out of my house is part of that. So I think I don't have any authority to name the library, but, you know, instead of just the Jim Nelson Library, I think it has to be the Jim and Sharon Nelson Library, in my opinion, Sharon. But legacies are, are all kinds of different shapes and sizes. They're, they're everywhere we look. We can see how someone carries on a family tradition or how something important is passed on to a future generation. As I begin working on this sermon... There is one church member here in particular I wanted to ask. What does legacy mean to you? And that's Charles Foster. I thought of Charles, and uh, he's the one in the middle in this picture, by the way. And I wanted to ask Charles, Charles, talk to me about your family. What, what kind of legacy was passed on to you? What legacy do you hope to be passed on to your kids and grandkids and great-grandkids? And those of us that know Charles know he has a lot of great things to say. But one thing in particular he said really jumped out at me. He said at one point, one conversation with his dad, his dad said, made the statement, never forget that you're a foster. Never forget you're a foster. And I said, okay, Charles, help me understand. What did did your dad, what did he mean by that? What was he trying to get you to understand? And this is what Charles said. He said... My dad was disturbed with some of my behavior. I'd been in an argument with one of my teenage friends and had spoken in anger. Dad, in an earlier time, had told me to remember a soft answer turns away wrath. When dad said, never forget you're a foster, he wanted to get across to me to always show love, to go out of the way to care for people and help people, to always have a smile for people. To be a person who could de- be depended upon at all times. Above all else, be a Christian in all my relations and activities. That's what his dad meant when he said, never forget you're a foster. I think those of us that are blessed to know Charles and his family would would shake our heads and say, yeah, that legacy continues. The way Charles lives that out, the way he treats people, relates to people, um, the, the His family members that will live after him have a great legacy to follow. So as we think about what people remember, what people remember about Charles, what people remember about Jim and Sharon Nelson, um, let's come back to our story about Abraham and Isaac. And let's think about how that influenced them, how that affected them, and some lessons that we can take from that story. Um, I think first off we 've got to remember this this crazy story, this complex, tough, difficult situation It, it makes me uncomfortable i don 't know if reading, hearing these words makes you uncomfortable or not, but this is tough there 's a couple of key elements in here that we we 've got to dig down and get to, or, or I think we miss the heart of the message here, and the first thing is how valuable, how important Isaac the son was to Abraham. If you caught it in verse 2, when Isaac's described, he's not just described as the son Isaac. He's talked about as your son, your only son, the son that you love, Isaac. And we know in Scripture, when something's repeated twice, it's important. When something's emphasized three times, it is very profoundly significant. And and to get the the relationship here, the significance of Isaac, we we can backtrack a few chapters in Genesis before Isaac's even known about. And we know that Abraham and Isaac um, were childless. They were old. Sarah Sarah was passed, excuse me, Abraham and Sarah... Their past childbearing years. Um, and the situation was in that day and time. Uh, Abraham could own all the land in the region. He could have all of the livestock, all of these resources. But if he didn't have a male heir, if he didn't have a son, there, there wasn't a whole lot of future. There wasn't a whole lot to look forward to, a whole lot to count on. So God showed up and sent messengers... And said, Abraham, Sarah, you're going to have a son. You're going to name him Isaac. This wasn't just some random Sarah got pregnant in some fluke way. This was God stepping into their lives, and saying, "I have something special. I'm going to give you. I'm going to bless you in a tremendous way." And in, and God gave them a future, a future for their family, a future legacy. So it's very important to realize the significance of Isaac here. I think any of us that are parents, we hold our children very, very close. Obviously, they're very special. But if we can just take that up a few notches and get a sense of where Isaac, his value, his importance, his significance to the future of Abraham and Sarah's legacy, that's where this is at. So as the story unfolds, God shows up again after Isaac's born. Isaac's a young teenager probably. And God God steps in again. He says, Abraham, remember that most precious, important, most valuable thing in your world that I've blessed you with. Remember that son, Isaac? I'd like you to give him back. I'd like you to let go. I'd like you to be willing to, to take what is most important in your life. Turn it back over. And the second part that here that's really important to get is, is God's not just asking him to just, just discard of Isaac. God's setting up a scenario where Abraham has to choose. Abraham, your, your life is in good order now. You have a good future to look, look forward to because of your son. Things are in place. I, I think for those of us that kind of feel like, okay, we, we kind of got life under control here and now, this, this kind of resonates with us if we let it. Things are, things are in place. Things are in order. I've got life in, in a good spot. But sometimes God will say, what's most important? What's your legacy going to be? What are people going to remember? So God steps in here and sets this situation up where Abraham has to make a choice. Your son, the most valuable thing I've placed in your world, has that taken my place? Is that the most important thing in your life? Or you've shown me all up until now, you've trusted me, you've lived for me. You've lived a godly life. Is that still the number one thing in your life? Is that still what's most important? And we don't get much into the thought process of Abraham here, but we see how he responds. He immediately obeys God. Early the next morning, he sets out on this journey. And did you catch how long it took him to get where God showed him? It took at least three days. And I can't imagine being a father in that situation, step after step after trudging step, in the back of my mind, God, wow, this is hard. This is tough. But Abraham obeyed, and then we jump to the end of the story. Abraham is faithful. God steps in again and said, "Abraham, I see. I see all the, whatever I blessed you with. That's not gotten in the way of your relationship with me. There is nothing more important than Abraham's relationship with God." And God steps in. And the place, the, the naming of that place there, God will provide. So profound. God will provide. Now this story, I I think there's some things in here about well, I'll tell you what, I'll say it this way. What I'm about to say you may disagree with. Isn't that great when the preacher always says that, you know? I wonder if this story were unfolding today. I, I, th- I think it would look different. Back then, Abraham, Isaac, they lived in a time where animals were sacrificed all the time. Other pagans sacrificed children. They lived in a time and a place where when someone was caught for stealing, a group got together, picked up rocks, and threw them at that person until they were dead. It was a different time, a different place. But for us today, what, what would this be like in our world? What will be the, the situation where, okay, God asks us, am, am I still number one? Am I still the most important thing in your life? I've thought about a scenario for those of us that, that are blessed to have our dream job, whatever that might be. A job we love, a job with good pay, A job that fulfills us. But the other side of the coin is that job's killing our family for whatever reason, because we have to work too much, or we have to travel so much, we're never around to parent our kids. What's most important? What will we choose? What legacy would we leave for those that remember us? Or maybe it's a situation that the tragedy of Wednesday night in Charleston, South Carolina brings closer to home. We, we gather here this morning feeling pretty safe. But we're living in a world where safety is more and more um, not guaranteed, I guess. What would it be like if we got to a point on Sunday mornings or for a Bible study gathering or or whatever it did to meant to serve God or come together in God's name, where it meant risking our life a little bit, where it meant stepping out of a safety net that we felt like we've lived in for years. That's a tough question for me. But I think that might be what, what this story would look like today. What's most important? Living for God, however God leads us. Or taking the safe route. Or the, the route that we prefer. I'm curious at the, at the end of this story, um, Abraham is obviously profoundly thankful how God intervenes and Isaac's life is preserved and this future continues. But I wonder, I wonder what Isaac, I wonder what he remembered moving forward from this. Wouldn't be surprised if he had a few nightmares, possibly. But the legacy his dad left him, nothing gets in front of my dad's relationship with God. Nothing is more important than following where God leads. That's a profound legacy. I'm going to get uh, kind of personal here for a few minutes. And um, there's a, a photo going to show you of my three boys this was taken a few years ago um they if you look closely you'll see on their faces you know they're covered with mud and you see their faces um you know they look like they're caught and and they were and this photo is is a conviction for me because my boys were just being boys they were they were having fun an afternoon when they didn't have to be clean, they didn't have to go anywhere, and uh, they took the water hose out to our dirt pile behind our house, turned it into mud, and had a blast. When I went outside that afternoon and, and caught them, I became angry. Um, I began to yell at them, tell them, you know, how, how could you get get such a mess? And then I don't know, God kind of tapped me in the shoulder. God maybe hit me upside the head. That's what I needed. And, and I begin to remember some things. I remember what I, I, what I was like as a boy at their age. I remember all the times I, uh, me and my best friend Jeff got into mud fights, and I was covered in mud ten times worse than they were. And I began to realize, what, what will my boys remember? And I, I have a problem with being um, too serious too often. Well, we, we've got to get things done. We've got to follow the rules. We've got to do all this stuff. And, and you know, there, there's a time and a place for that, obviously. But this picture convicts me. Todd, don't miss the moments. Don't miss the chance to enjoy those fun times. When I think about my boys and what they'll remember... I would hope they would have smiles on their face in this picture, and we would remember this. My dad passed away about a year ago, and he enjoyed pranking people. He enjoyed doing things that that made people laugh, that that made him laugh. During his later years, he he didn't laugh or smile a whole lot, but when he did, it was usually because me and my boys were wrestling or being silly on the living room floor, just having a good time. And as I think about myself and my shortcomings, and I think about, gosh, that legacy of laughing and playing that can so easily get squashed out if if I allow my tendencies to, to do that. But the reason I put this up here and talk about this isn't so much to share with me, you, my junk. But what is it in your family? What is it that you want your kids or grandkids to remember? It's so easy for those things to get squashed out. It's so easy for those things to get pushed to the side. It may be things... Um, I was thinking of other things that go along with this, you know. I know many folks, myself included, um, will, our, will our kids remember that they are more important than my iPhone or my iPad or my Facebook status? Will my kids remember that there's a reason why we take time to put an offering in the offering plate on Sundays to be a part of God's work in the church? Is that something that they will remember? That's something I'll pass on to them. Will they remember when Carolyn and I, my wife and I, tucked them in at bed? We, No matter how late it is, no matter how tired we are, we're taking time to read that Bible story and hopefully making a few minutes to talk about it. Because... That's how we hear God's voice speak into our lives, and that's how we learn about how God wants to be involved in us, is taking time to engage the Bible. Will they remember those things, or will those things just get squashed out and pushed to the side? What legacy are we leaving for our family? It's also important, I think, uh, not just as individuals or families, but as a congregation, to think about the legacy that we're leaving here at First Baptist. If you've been here for a while, you know that we are entering into this process, uh, the imagine-if process of praying and discerning uh, God's will for our future. And as a congregation, there are different things that that stand out to me to this point in time of of what makes First Baptist so special, so unique. Why is this a great place? And I think we've seen several of them already. um, Cooper, he, he, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he, he nailed some of the things that I want to talk about right now. Carol and I have been a part of this congregation for about three years, which is pales in comparison to many of you. But in those three years, the way this church cares for people in the community, people around the world, that we are willing to step outside of, of what we do and to go share God's love, with people who are in need or, or people that just God calls us to minister to. That's profound to me. That's something that makes First Baptist Church very special, very unique. It's part of the legacy that I see this church leaving. I, As an example, this next slide is um, the one after this one right here, excuse me, is... Too wordy for you to read, but it, it serves as to, to get the point across. This was taken from the Bits and Bytes email, that if you received the church email, you got this uh, July or excuse me, June 12th, I believe. This is a listing at that time of just some of the summer ministry, summer mission opportunities. Long list, lots of words, lots of things going on. Everything from Bible camp and Sports Crusader camp this last week to mission trips to Kenya, people serving in Hawaii, a future trip to um, Alabama. doesn't even mention the trip that's already happened this summer to South Dakota. This kind of stuff is, is what makes First Baptist special to me and to my family. It's part of the legacy. It's part of what I will remember and other people remember about this church. So as we enter this process of imagine if, where is God leading us as a congregation? It's important for us to think about what, are, what, are people, what do we remember now? What are some of the things that are so unique and special and make this place unique? So I encourage you to think about that as we go through this process. But finally, as, as I wrap things up this morning, um, if we think back to Abraham and Isaac, uh, we know that life is complicated. We know that pretty much every day, We have choices to make. We are in situations where we get to choose what's most important. And as we make those decisions, we are deciding what are people going to remember about us? What's the legacy that we are going to leave behind?